Well, have you noticed this morning a recurring theme? Have you? What is it? Love. It's uh, the month of February, so I got to thinking about that, and I said it's a perfect time to do a sermon series on love, right? There's a lot of different things that happen on, in, on, uh, in February that's important to me. Number one is Valentine's Day. Men, you better not forget that one. If you're, if you're married or have a significant other, you better not forget that one. Ladies, it don't matter too much about y'all, but guys, I'm telling you, don't forget that one, okay? Then the other part is uh, February 12th. Uh, Lisa and I will celebrate our 15th wedding anniversary. So that's, uh, she, uh, y'all tell her I mentioned that, would you? She, uh, she must have went back with the kids. So, but anyway, yeah, it is. That'd be number 15 for us, and it's all been wonderful, wonderful. And looking forward to the next however many God blesses us with, but, uh, but it's been a joy. But yeah, sermon series on love, I, you know, and, and talking about now, let's, let's go back to January for just a minute. We spent a lot of time on what? Anybody remember? Vision. We spent a lot of time talking about vision. We spent a lot of time talking about unity. And I, I must tell you, I know that those three messages that you heard in January, some parts of that must have been hard to hear. Some parts of it were tough. It was hard preaching. It was tough preaching. It was um, just telling you, seeming a bit even maybe harsh in some places. But I firmly believe that that's where we needed to start, to start 2020. That's exactly where we needed to be. We needed to be there to start because you needed to know exactly where I stand as your pastor concerning vision. And I believe we seek it. I believe we find it. I believe we execute it. And I believe God's glorified through it. And that's what we're talking about with vision. That's what we're talking about concerning vision. How we approach vision is vital to the well-being of our church. We can't run from it. We can't hide from it. Vision is sometimes hard. We know that. There will be challenges. There will be adversity. And as human beings, what we tend to run away from adversity, don't we? We don't want anything to do with confrontation. We just want to move on. But as Christians, with God, we should run right at it. We should run right at it, not away from it. So this is what we're going to do as a church. You need to understand that. This is where we're going. We're going to do everything we can to reach our community for Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. But as we're doing this, we must learn to do it in love. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So through the month of February, some people call it the month of love. We're going to zero in on love, what it means how we do it, the impact it has on us, the impact it has on others, I think you get the picture. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of 1 John, and we're going to go to chapter 4, and we're going to read uh, verses 7 to 12. 1 John, back of the New Testament, almost to the back of the book. Got it. Got it. There you go. If you got it, say, I got it. I like that. Read be God's Word. If you did, on the screen for you, if you don't have one, there are Bibles in the pews. I hope that you've brought your copy of God's Word. If you did, let me see it. Amen. Copies of God's Word all over the house. Amen. Let's, let's, uh, let's read this together. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from who? God. comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is what? Love. love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love that we loved, that, not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we, ought, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this morning, for this word that we have. We just know, Father, that you have anointed this holy Bible. And we know that these words are speaking to us. So this morning as we go through them, we pray, Father, that you will open our eyes to see what it is that you would have us to see through this. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Now, everybody loves a good love story, right? And we see your hands. Like a good love story, Lifetime, Hallmark, we see all of those kind of things. Some of them ain't worth watching. But there's many love stories that through the years have, have come by way of, of literature, poetry, television, just to name a few. I mean, there's many avenues that we see love through. All the time we're seeing people try to portray what true love is. Some of them are, are fictional stories. Some are based on true stories. I think about the movie Titanic. Did y'all see that? It's worth two hours of your day, I guess. Okay? But here's the thing. It was based on a true story that ended a tragic way for thousands of people. We all know the story of Titanic, right? Well, here's what Hollywood did. It was an epic disaster movie, but what did they do? They added a love story between Rose and Jack. Y'all looking at me like, some of y'all ain't never seen that movie. <laughs> Rose and Jack, and it, it helped hold our attention. We already knew what was going to happen at the end of the movie, so Rose and Jack held our attention so we would watch it. We would buy a ticket to see it. I think about um, the film Cleopatra. Now, I'm dating myself just a bit. I realize that. But Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, y'all didn't know I knew who they were, did you? They did. They were captivating in this fictional adaption of the relationship between the Roman general Antony and Egypt's last pharaoh by the name of Cleopatra. Some of you will remember from your high school English class the old love story, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo, oh Romeo, wherefore art thou, oh Romeo? Bob's saying it. He, he studied that with me. I got gotcha. you. But anyway, tragic love story. We all know the story. How about Gone with the Wind? Another four-hour love story. Four-hour love story that I was made to watch time and time again. It's centered around the debonair Rhett Butler and the, and the, and the fair maiden Scarlett O'Hara, right? Well, love, as it's been said, it has many, many faces. We see it all kind of different ways. People see it in all sorts of shapes, all sorts of sizes. Uh, it's interesting, though, that, that sometimes... The word love can be better described by a group of children than it can adults. And I've seen this over and over again. So a group of professionals at one point asked a question to a small group of kids who were four to eight years old. Four to eight years old. And the question was, what does love mean? Now, can any of us answer that? Maybe we can, maybe we can't. Let me give you some of the answers of these kids. What does love mean? Chrissy, age six, answered it this way. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. <laughs> Terry, aged four, answered, coffee from my daddy. Donnie, aged seven, said, love is when my mommy makes coffee from my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. <laughs> Bobby, aged five, said, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and just listen. 
shirt, and he wears it every day. Well, age seven said, love is when you tell a guy that you like his shirt, and he wears it every day. <laughs> Marianne, age four, said that love is when your puppy licks your face, even after you've ignored him or left him alone all day long. Karen, age seven, said, when you love somebody, and I don't get this when y'all have to tell me, but she said it's when your, your eyelashes go up and down real fast and stars start coming out. <laughs> Hadn't seen that one. Jessica, age seven, said, I like this one. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you do mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget. <laughs> and Rebecca, finally, age eight, said, when my grandma got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandpa does it for her all the time, even though his hands got arthritis. That's love. So it's one thing to get a child's perspective on love, isn't it? But it's a whole different thing, a whole nother thing, to get God's perspective on love. And that's what we want to focus in this morning. Throughout the Bible, we find in some fashion God's perspective on love. He tells us what love is. He demonstrates what love is. He shows us what love is. He demands that we know what love is. He gives it to us. He shows us. There's many places to study and look. I think of Song of Solomon, chapter 8. Take time to read that. I think of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. Take time to read that. We may talk about that one some in later weeks. But if you'll remember in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes a, a list of love's qualities, each beginning with two words, love is. Love is patient, love is kind. We'll talk about those, not today. Solomon did this a little bit differently. He described it as more, more like what uh, Dr. David Jeremiah would say. He showed it more in pictures. He showed it in pictures. Verse 5 in Song of Solomon chapter 8 shows stable love. Verse 6 shows a strong and secure love. Verse 7, a stubborn and sacrificial love. Verses 8 to 10, a self-controlled love. In verses 11, 12, he shows a, a, a selfless love. Take time to read those two passages, Song of Solomon 8 and 1 Corinthians 13. You will get a lot out of that. Our text today describes to us that the very origin of God. Now listen to this. The very origin, the very source where he originated is from love. That's what God is. In fact, God, it, it's God's very nature love is. And acting in his love is his essential character. So how do we know this? I'll give you the short answer. The short answer is what happened on the cross. He sent his only son to die in our place because we messed up. He took care of that sin so that we could live with him forever if we would accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have to see God this way. He gave his only son to die in our place. So what greater love is there? There is no greater love. John chapter 15 verse 13 says this, and I love this verse. You've heard it time and time again. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus said that his followers are his beloved friends. And, and folks, that extends to us today. We are his children. We are his beloved friends. It extends to us still right now today if we are a follower of Jesus Christ. And by laying down his life on our behalf, he has already shown ultimate love. The cross of Jesus, folks, on Golgotha's hill is an everlasting monument to the truth that our God is pure love. Verses 7 and 8 here in our chapter here, chapter 4, tells us what God is. 
the word love or agape love, as we were talking about this morning in the Greek, is a, is a dominant theme all the way from 1 John where we started in chapter 4, verse 7, all the way through chapter 5, verse 3. It's a dominant theme. The word love appears in this section of the Bible more than 30 times. Some scholars have even said through the years that John, the, the John that wrote this John, is an expert on love, the one that God loved. If you'll remember that, we'll talk about that. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 2, chapter 21, verses 7 and 20, refer to John as the disciple who, who, G, who Jesus loved. It's noted that, now listen, and this was interesting too, but Paul is known as the apostle of faith. Peter was known as the apostle of hope. James was the apostle of good works. And then finally, John was the apostle of love. Listen, in our world today, we need an expert on love. We need somebody to show us what true love is. All we're hearing, not, listen, not the kind of experts that are putting their books out at Books A Million telling us what they think love is. These are secular things. These opinions from these writers have become so distorted. They've become so worldly that the, world, the word love, it's really become a dirty four-letter word, hasn't it? It really has. In our culture, the word love is, has too often been misunderstood in, 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 in just so many different ways, selfish ways, sexual terms, all kind of different ways things are, are given to us with the word love that just aren't true. Here at 1 John, we're painted, we're painted an entirely different picture on what love is. Ultimately, love comes from God, and it's best demonstrated, as we said, through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross at that point, he took all the sins of the world on him, and then he was raised from the dead to save us. Let's read verses 7 and 8 again. If you still got that in front of you, it's on the screen. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Let me explain it this way. God is love. We know that. That doesn't mean that love is God. The fact that two people love each other doesn't mean that their love is actually a holy love. We have to realize that it's a love that doesn't define God because God is who defines love. God is love. God is light. Therefore, His love is a holy love and His holiness is expressed in that love. All that God does expresses all that God is. Love is originated by God and it comes from God. Love is not something that many years ago that some man created. God created it. Love was from God because His very being is love. Well, what about Christian love? There's so many different kinds of love. Let's talk about Christian love. Christian love's a special kind of love. 1 John 4, chapter 4, verse 10 can be translated in this way. It says, in this way is seen the true love. You see that there's a false love that's out there. And this is the kind of love that God rejects. Love that was born out of the essence of God must be spiritual. If it was born out of the essence of God, it must be holy. Romans 5, 5 tells us this. It says, true love was poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 
What a wonderful gift. Well, sure, that is who we are. That's Christian love. But what about lost people? Can they love? Well, sure they can. In some cases, they love a whole lot better than the Christian love. Have you seen that? I've seen it time and time again. This shouldn't be surprising. We are all made lost and saved in whose image? Selves and our sin image. That's exactly right. All of us, despite ourselves and our sin, we reflect God's image. God's grace and his goodness is shared in some measure with his creation as a whole. Much that is called love in, in today's society, it just doesn't look holy. It doesn't look spiritual at all. In fact, in, in most cases, it doesn't even resemble Christianity or love at all. We see large banners sometimes, and they, and they write them out. It says, God is love. And we find these things at festivals. We find them at, at ball games. Anywhere people are, are doing their own thing, we see signs that say, God is love. Oftentimes, these places don't comply with that sign at all. They don't show God's love at all. Here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to dignify immorality by calling it God's love. Listen, you need to understand this. Love is a, it's a huge test of the Christian faith. If God is love and we have claimed a personal relationship with God, shouldn't his love be revealed to others through us? God's love should be revealed in how we live. We as Christians have been born of God. God lives in us. God lives through us. God is love. His love passes through us, passes to other Christians, and yes, even lost people too. Since God is love, Christians ought to love each other. We should also love lost, all lost people. Isn't this logical? Let me put it this way. If you call yourself Christian, you should be reflecting God's love. If you call yourself Christian, you shouldn't have malice or hate in your heart for your brother and sister, whether they're lost or saved. If you call yourself Christian and have knowingly offended your brother and sister, listen, and you're angry, you will make it right before the sun goes down. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 says this, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Listen, love does not create confusion. Love creates unity. Love does not create discord. Love creates unity. Love doesn't create division. Love creates unity. Why? Because God is love. That's who he is. You see, John is explaining here how true Godly love in a person's life is a sign of being born again. Those who truly love God, listen, they will act. Not a sometimes thing. If you, if you call yourself Christian, you will act on that love towards other people. Those who don't demonstrate love have no fellowship with God at minimum. Love is something that God showed us first by sending Jesus Christ and our love for him is ultimately rooted in his original love for us. We're reminded here that true godly love is not just a feeling, it's also an action. Y'all know who John Piper is? Some of you might. He's an excellent writer, pastor, whatever. He once said this. Put it in perspective for me. I hope it will for you. Love is from God the way heat is from fire or the way light is from sun. Love belongs to God's nature. It's woven into what he is. It's part of what it means to be God. The sun gives light 
because it is light. And the fire gives heat because it is heat. You see, when we become born again, the aspect of God's nature becomes part of who it is that we are. God's nature is love. And when we're born again, that love becomes part of who we are. You see, he dwells in us. As Christians, he dwells in us. He wants to perfect this love in us. He wants his love to be all over us, oozing out everywhere. He wants people to see it in us. He wants us to share that love with others. The fact that Christian love, uh, Christians love one another is evidence that we know God. Our experience in loving is not a one and a done deal. It's, it's not something that just happens once. It's a day-by-day experience. It is. It's a day-by-day experience of of getting to know Jesus Christ more personally. It's an exciting day-by-day experience that continually makes us more and more and more Christ-like. A person who claims he knows God and is in unity with God must be personally affected by this relationship. As Christians, we should strive to become what God is. And, And what is God? God is love. Listen, to argue this point will prove that you don't really know God at all. As Christians today, it's far too easy for us to get bogged down in our trials. It's far too easy for us to get bogged down in our temptations, our tribulations. Loving God, loving each other can can just become another bullet on the list. Something else we have to do. For many of us, our relationship with God has, because of this, has just become a relationship of convenience. We talked about this before. When we need a little love from God, we we just pull Him out. We begin to feel love again, and and then we, we put Him back. This has nothing to do with a right relationship with the one who created us, God Almighty. This is just trying to get through today on our own. That's all it's trying to do. You see, through Jesus, we can all have an intimate, personal, and deeply rewarding relationship with Him. This right relationship that we can have with Him is is far more rewarding than anything that our world has to offer. As with any relationship, we become complacent. We develop unhealthy patterns, don't we? Sometimes we just want to do it our way. Our relationship like this with God will suffer. True love isn't just a feeling, is it? It's a commitment. It's a commitment into what we have with God. Our humans, our feelings, are, are we're just constantly changing. Our feelings change with the wind. Our love shouldn't be that way. God's love is not like that. As Christians, our commitments must remain strong, regardless of how we feel from day to day. Listen, folks, it's time that we evaluate our lives. It's time, folks, that we give ourselves a checkup from the neck up and make sure that we understand what it is that God's love is and how he wants it to go from us. As Christians, we should put a tremendous focus on loving God and loving each other, as our choir just sang so beautifully a minute ago. All moral responsibility hinges on these two affections. These are priorities that we must never, ever neglect. I hope and pray this morning that this little word, love, means something to you. I pray that you understand that to be like God, you must love. 
We must love not only selected people, and we get hung up on this. Not only selected people. It's easy to love some people. It's hard to love some others. And we know that. That's what makes us who we are. We have to coexist in Jesus' name. Remember what I told you last month? He put us all right here together at this time for a purpose. We have to coexist. The only way we can do that is through the love of God. We must have a love for everyone. We must see the good in what we sometimes perceive is the bad. Through a godly love, we must learn to overlook things sometimes and love anyway. None of us are alike. Personality to Matthew chapter love anyway. We're commanded to. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39 says this. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like this. Doing it. It's exactly what we should be doing. It. God has put us here again as a group of people to love each other. He's put us here is a group of people to understand that all love comes from Him and to understand that our part of the job is to spread that love to others. That's why we're here. That's the purpose for what we do. God's love is no accident. Our Bible tells us plainly that God put that in place. His very essence, His very origin is love. Folks, we're, we're doing him an injustice if we don't love like the Bible says to love. But how can we do that? We can do that because he has built that in us. My mama used to say, God, don't make no junk. And he doesn't. None of us are that way. We all have the ability to love. God has given us that ability. He expects us to use that ability to love him. Well, this morning, I want you to know that our God is a forgiving God. He's a loving God. I read a scripture a minute ago that said we should never let the sun go down on our anger. Remember that? There may be somebody in this crowd today that's got hard feelings towards another church member. There may be somebody that's got hard feelings or, or something against a, a neighbor that they live close to. There may be somebody in our, in our congregation today that's just mad at the world. It happens. I get it. Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says we shouldn't let the sun go down on that wrath, should we? We should make it right. We should take care of business and go to that person. Go to that person. If they've offended you, if you've offended them, go to them. I'm sorry. I want to make this right. God wants me to make it right before him, and I want to make it right, and I want you to know that I want to make it right. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to, to make that right. Maybe you're here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe these types of feelings that we're talking about, maybe this, this love that we're talking about, you have no inclination as to what it is that I'm speaking of because you haven't experienced the love of God. That could change today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's a pretty simple process, actually. You just ask and you receive. That's all there is to it. 
You just ask him. Tell him you love him. Say, I know I'm a sinner. I know I messed up. But I believe that you died on the cross. I believe you did that for me. I believe if I'd been the only person on the planet, you'd have done it for me. I believe that they killed you. I believe you were truly dead. But I believe three days later you rose from the grave. And I believe today you're sitting at the right hand of the Father and you're waiting to return to pick me up. If you believe those things and you tell him that and you ask him to come and live in your heart, your life will be changed forever. You will be what's called a Christian. And then you can live for Jesus and experience this love that we're talking about. This love that he has for us is not a sometime thing. It's an all the time thing. His love never goes away. Now maybe we slip off somewhere. But his love never changes. His love never goes away. He loves us all the time. So if this is you this morning, I would invite you. I would invite you to come and, and speak with me. Maybe, you need to, maybe you've been a Christian for some years and, 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 and this type of love has just kind of escaped you a little bit. Maybe you need to rededicate your life this morning. Maybe there's something that you just need to tell God, and I'd be glad to help you with that. And maybe you just need to talk to him and say, God, I've been missing the boat. I've strayed from you. I need to come back. I need to come back into your fold. I know you've always been there, but I haven't always been there for you. Maybe you just need to have that conversation with him. Maybe you've been visiting with us for some time, and and possibly you've been thinking about moving your church letter here or moving your membership here. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you be a part of our Christian fellowship here at Cornerstone. But above all else, if you don't know Jesus, make it right today. Come and join and be a part of the family of God. Let's stand together and we'll sing a hymn of invitation. for being here this morning. It's been a great day in the house of the Lord. Amen.